coach, broadcaster, and video game impresario, John Madden. I get every game from every angle uh, every week. Why do you want to do that? Just because uh, just you're crazy? <laughs> None other than Deion Sanders Prime. I have three to four suits with me, and I'm having a problem to choose between the cream, which is a cusser. What I mean by cusser, Rich, when you see me, you're going to use profanity. That's how clean this suit is. <laughs> My official movie reviewer, Jim Moore. She's a fox. If there's a fox in the movies right now, Myla Kunis is it. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, presented by the good people of Bud Light. Good times on the previous edition of the show this week that you can please download right now if you already haven't, either on iTunes or richeisen.nfl.com. Mike Silver of Yahoo Sports, who spoke with Jerry Jones after the Cowboys' loss in New England, got those quotes from good old Jerry about how his coach isn't uh, aggressive enough on the play calling. That... uh, That was an interesting take, certainly by Jerry Jones, that he backtracked on later in the week. Mike Silver has a unique take also on the Carson Palmer trade and the handshake debacle that went down with Jim Schwartz and Jim Harbaugh. And uh, and also Dennis Haysbert, the actor actor from 24, the unit, um, big time uh, Niners and Raiders fan, was fun uh, chatting with him. He had some interesting takes on that handshake as well and also on the Carson Palmer trade too, since it affects... Both of those Bay Area teams, which, by the way, enter week seven action, one on a bye, one taking on Kansas City at home. That's the Raiders. Um, A combined nine and three. How about that? Winning nine of the first 12 games for for the Bay Area teams. So please download that. Uh, This show, uh, big time. I'm so excited to have Jim Nance. We were trying to get him uh, in the summer when we had Joe Buck on and we had – uh, uh, also Al, Mike Al Tirico, Michaels. Al Michaels. Yes, Chris Bachman. We had Al Michaels on as well. Uh, and that's what we do here. You know, we we have uh, big time voices of this game. Uh, whether it's Joe Buck, Al Michaels, Mike Tirico, Jim Nance on this yes. show. Uh, Marv Albert came on as well. And let's not forget the legend in the booth, Jim Brockmeyer, coming in here in person a couple weeks ago. He's the only one who man was everyone else on remote or. Was Jim the only uh, one who was here? We've had Alan. Brockmeyer. Yeah, we've had Alan's studio. Okay. Alan's studio, and he's going to come back. I think in November. We're trying to nail down a date with Al. He did. Uh, he did uh, um, Simmons's podcast last week. Uh, and it's not like we're. It's like a Leno Letterman thing where I I can't have somebody on my podcast that was just on. But right, he has Bills Lombardi on week. all the time. I know. So I mean, I'm I'm not like that. Right. You know. So uh, I will. I, I'll I'll have Al on today. But Al, you know, he's got he's got things going on. You think, but I'll uh, get him on in November. I'll get him on in November or December. Nance will have his socks on for the interview, unlike his college roommate. I don't know. He's going to be on. Are you like, uh, Fred Couples? You're Fred talking Couples. About? Yeah. Uh, he's going to be on remote from uh, NFL headquarters in New York. Big Jim time. Nance, because he called the uh, uh, Giants-Bills game last week in uh, the MetLife for CBS, and he's calling San Diego at the Jets this week in the same stadium for CBS. And... Um, so we've got a lot to talk about with him about those games that he called last week and he's calling this week. And he's seen a lot of teams, including the Packers, I believe. So uh, lots to talk about with Jim Nance, the lead voice of CBS Sports, and then returning to the podcast, I believe, for a third visit. He had two fun visits last year during the regular season. Dennis Miller, a host of the Dennis Miller radio program on Westwood One Radio. He's also, uh, uh, as we know, a former booth mate of Albino, uh, Monday Night Football 
and uh, he he loves talking ball. He loves he's hardcore Pittsburgh Steelers guy. Loves talking ball, and you never know what reference is going to come out of uh, what corner of his uh, fertile excited. brain. So um, that's what's going on here on the Rich Eisen podcast. Let's get it started. Thrilled to have on the Rich Eisen podcast for the very first time. I can't believe this is just the maiden voyage of the voice of CBS Sports, the face of CBS Sports. He is the lead play-by-play man for the NFL and also the reigning Roselle Award recipient at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That would be none other than Jim Nance. Hello, friend. Hello, friend. How are you doing? Pleasure to be on here, Rich. You couldn't wait to load up that hello, friend. I couldn't. I saw it coming. I couldn't. I could feel I it coming. How did, how, yeah. That's my first question for you. How did that come about? What's the story behind that? You know, the story, it sounds a little maudlin, but it really was a tribute to my father. My mm-hmm. father was deep in the throes of Alzheimer's, and I was doing a golf tournament, and my father had very little recognition left with anything or anyone, and he only had friends in his life. And... I told him and told him and told him all week long I was going to talk to him on the air, and my code to him was going to be, hello, friends. And I wanted him to know that that was a special delivery for him. I can still remember I was in Minnesota at a golf event, PGA Championship at Hazeltine, mm-hmm. and I came on the air and I said, hello, friends. Jim Nance, which was my father's name. I'm really known as Jimmy by all my friends and family. The right? only time I ever answer to Jim is when I'm in my professional world. <laughs> my dad was Jim, and uh-huh. I'm Jimmy. So I did that thinking, hello, friends, Jim Nance here, and my father you know, somehow would have some sense of recognition, and I've kept it ever since. I've had no idea. I know I've always wanted to ask you that, and it's, uh, what, a, what an interesting, neat story that is, Jim. Uh, as it makes we, me think about him every single time I come I on bet, the air. I it bet. settles me down. I lost him in 2008. He was an old football player, and... You know, he loved the National Football League, and, you know, I just, I think of him as soon as I come on the air. It's a tribute to him in my own little quiet way, and really, I don't tell that story very often, so I'm glad you asked. I'm glad I did, too. I'm glad I did, too. Uh, is this the best uh, NFL season you've seen yet? I, I, I'm, I'm going to go wide on you on the first question because the ratings are through the roof, and the fan interest is as high as, as ever, and... I'm just wondering if this is in terms of just narratives and drama that you see in front of you with Sims uh, and also from the position that you held in the studio for so many years. Is this the best NFL season you've seen yet? You know, they're all good to me. I'm not trying to to gloss over this. Uh, for our crew doing the lead AFC game every week, we haven't had a close game, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, we had, uh, we had nothing but blowouts no. until we had a three-point Buffalo-New York Giants game this week. So I had right. like an average margin of victory of like 26 points coming into the weekend. <laughs> so it hasn't been all that interesting to me so far, Rich. Okay, I'm hoping it gets better, to be honest. <laughs> there is an I and Jim. I like yeah, it. Of course. I like yes. it. Very good. So, yeah, you haven't seen, I guess, those sorts of games yet. Oh, I've seen them. Yeah, I get home in time to watch uh, Al and Chris get a great game. I get to see Mike and company on Monday night get a great game. I just yeah. haven't seen it. So I can only go by what I've seen oh, man. in well, they, person. Unfortunately, uh, they caught up to you in that department the last uh, couple of nights with, uh, with Sunday and Monday football. But you've got, I guess, San Diego and the Jets this week. Uh, what, what do you make of the Jets? Let's start with that since you've seen them uh, a couple of times. What do you make of the New York Jets? They're 3-3 three and three right now. Well, I think that. A lot of people felt it was going to be a walkover last night against the Dolphins. But the truth is, in this league, who knows? You know, the Dolphins were coming off a bye. I thought that was a dangerous spot for a team that was reeling like the Jets were. Had they lost that game, who knows how disastrous it could have been. It could have been like losing all control of the team. And it could have just marked, you know, not only the loss of this season, but like, where are they going? What's their plan? They played a solid game last night, stepped up and won. It's just amazing how one game can change the whole texture and tenor of a season. So they're at 3-3. Three and three. 
uh, you know, Buffalo's a lot more competitive, obviously, than anyone thought. The Patriots are, again, who they always have been. And, you know, I think the Jets, it's way too early to draw any fast conclusions that their three-game road losing streak was actually going to be reflective of the greater vision of the whole season. I think they're going to be okay. You know, I really do. I think they're going to be in the mix until the end. And, and uh, are the Patriots the best team you've seen yet? I saw Green Bay one week. That was one of the blowouts, by the way. <laughs> Green Bay against Denver, which, right. you know, when we got assigned the game, I said, that's going to be a blowout. Right. When I was preparing for it during the week, I said, this is going to be a blowout. Uh-huh. When I met with the Packers on Friday, I said, you know what, this might be a blowout. Mm-hmm. Then we met with the Broncos on Saturday morning. I said, this is definitely going to be a blowout. <laughs> so then the game got started, and after about uh, two minutes and an 80-yard touchdown pass right. to Jordy Nelson, we had exactly what we thought yeah. we had. Seems so like they look to me. Yeah. They, look, uh, they look like the superior team right now in football, but uh, you know we're through, uh, we're through about one-third of the season. That's right. it. And um, it seems like you're working something through here with me, Jim, that uh, you haven't seen enough close games for your liking. And, uh, and, <laughs> and I, I mean, I, th- I feel like this is therapeutic right now for you. I hope it's it is. Good. You think it is. It's good to vent. It's good to get all Please. this out. I should be saying this at the end of our broadcast, devoting most of the fourth quarter to just <laughs> lamenting how this game didn't go the way I hoped it would. Right. But um, yeah. one thing when you get a bad game, it mm-hmm. does allow you to – fall back on what you've been preparing for all week long to right. go back and and tell the stories that you've been cobbling together all week long so it's not always the worst thing in the world it's not uh, as artistic as perhaps you want as thrilling and nail biting down to the last play but uh, those things all even out they're on the way maybe with san diego and the jets yes yeah, san diego and the jets and the san diego chargers are are four and one which is an unheard of start for them certainly in recent years, um, what what do you make of the Chargers as you get set to see them on CBS this Sunday? Well, I think that the Chargers, you're right. I mean, we're so accustomed to them having to go into November and December and have to win every single game because they're you know starting off one and four instead of four and one. But, uh, you know, Ryan Matthews has really stepped up this year. They've done all of this, you know, without Antonio Gates being healthy. Maybe he's never going to be healthy again. I hope the rest for him was helpful. Uh, you know, he's such an immense talent, and he hasn't really been himself for a couple of years, able to go 100%, and we'll see. But, uh, you know, they find themselves, I think, uh, with a little surprise that they have to contend, you know, with the Raiders maybe this year for that division. I know the Raiders beat everybody in the division last year. Right. They just couldn't beat anybody outside of the division. Uh, but now, you know, they, I've seen the Raiders in person, by the way, and they're big and they're fast and and I think that I think they're for real. So you know, San Diego's going to have some company out there. And now they've got Carson Palmer in the mix. I mean, that's a, I, that, know, what a that's... shocker that that sort of is that Mike Brown actually coughed him up, and that the Raiders paid the price uh, it, it for. It could wind up being two number one overall picks for Carson Palmer. At first blush, Jim, uh, I know this is just uh, it's all just uh, coming together on on a trade deadline. But uh, at first blush, what do you what do you make of Carson Palmer in the silver and black? Well, I think Carson Palmer, first off, can definitely play. I had a lot of his games through the years at Cincinnati, and had Carson Palmer been in a system like uh, New England, if he was up there, right? I'm not saying he would be as Brady-esque as Tom is, sure. But I, you know, Carson Palmer, I think people would look at him in a whole different light. The guy just eyeballing it when you're at a game and you watch the way he spins and throws the football. Uh, stands in the pocket is pretty darn impressive. I think he's got a lot of years to go. I know we think of him as having been out here for a while, but it was 03 when he won the Heisman. Uh, you know, he's had the banged up knee. He's been sitting out this year. He's had some injuries through the years. I think uh, he's got six, seven really good years to go. Now, here's the thing that I don't understand. Yeah. 
Having been out there to do a, a recent Jets game, Hugh Jackson said that when he got the job, the first call he made was to Jason Campbell. And he said, Jason, you, you, you are our guy. You're the quarterback of this team. You're our future. And the two of us are going to do this together. And you could see it the way Campbell played. I'm not saying he was putting up like crazy right. fantasy-type numbers, but there was a leadership quotient there that was real and authentic, and they were winning with him. And, and maybe it's not as pretty or as many style points as other quarterbacks, but he believed he had been handed that job, and that was his team, and he was playing up to it. I give him credit. And now you bring in a guy, and you're going to give up maybe two number ones? That's a stiff price. What happens next year when he comes back from the collarbone? Campbell comes back. Who's your quarterback? Uh, is it Campbell? It, no. Is it Carson it's, Palmer? It's clearly, what are you, what are you it's clearly Carson Palmer, Jim. It's, it's, you got it. If, you, if you're giving up that much, you're saying that now he is. He is the future of your I franchise. You, you could not. I mean, seriously, that it, we could, going into week seven of a season and to be able to pluck off the streets uh, Carson Palmer, that's just a tremendous get. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a big-time talent. You know, but I know exactly what you're saying about Jason Campbell. And, and, but that's, that's just the, the nature of this business, and it's a, a stark reminder of the, you know, an acronym that people say the NFL also stands for not for long. And, and here he is, as you said, with uh, the Raiders and having an opportunity, first time in his career, to actually have the same guy calling the plays in his headset two years in a row. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're talking about even his time in Auburn. He really didn't have that sort of luxury. And one play breaks his clavicle, and the Raiders have to sit there and figure, this team is 4-2. and two. We've got a shot here. Is Kyle Bowler the guy? Is Campbell going to be the guy, even if he does come back in six weeks? And then Carson Palmer might materialize. Don't you have to sort of pull the trigger on that front? I guess that's what they're probably thinking on a day-to-day -day well, basis there. I think you're right. I think they think they have a real chance right now with the team that they have in place, and they had to go out and do something that was, uh, you know, drastic and, right. you know, giving up potentially two number ones. I mean, that's a boatload of talent in this league, and Carson can play. I mean, he – Yeah. I can just imagine this is going to work out, I think, really well for the Raiders. I, I just – you know, if he if – doesn't stay healthy, though, all of a sudden you're going to be sitting here saying, wait a minute, we've lost I again. I don't know how that figures out, that <laughs> second pick. But it's a lot to give up. But I think if Palmer's healthy, he's going to be, I mean, he gets to stay in his home state. He lives, you know, down the way in, uh, in the San Diego area at Del Mar. And, uh, and I think he's going to fit in really nicely. Playing in California, it's going to fit him well. And, then, you know, we've seen an oncoming uh, Hayward Bay. I mean, he's turned into a talent this year. And he's, he's, he's emerging going to have a guy that can really zip it to him now. And some of these other guys, Jacoby Ford, I mean, you know, I, I think the Raiders and McFadden stays healthy. When they show up and you put them, you know, in uniform, you walk down to the field before the game as I do, mm -hmm. I mean, they're like the most physically impressive-looking bunch that you see in the NFL. And, and they're real. They're physical. They're, they're fast. And now they've got a, a quarterback that put in the right place can be one of the top ten quarterbacks in the game. Right. Uh, if we fast forward, who do you, who do you see right now? Uh, on that final Sunday in January on CBS for the AFC Championship game. Do you, do you think you're, you're going to be in New England? I'd love to just, again, I know it's early. We're at the, sort of the third quarter, uh, the third post mark of this race right now, but I'd love to get your thoughts on how the AFC is going to eventually shake out. 
Well, only because I'm like Rain Man, so when you say, that, well, how's it going to shake out that mm -hmm. final Sunday in January on CBS, mm -hmm. I see Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods coming down the stretch <laughs> nice. at the Farmers Insurance Open. Nice. Uh, because that's the week between the championship games and right. the Super Bowl. Uh -huh. The AFC championship game will be on, uh, I think, January the 22nd. There so we go. Oh, smart here. no, no. See, yeah. I don't know the schedule. Right? Listen, yeah. I'm all about the NFL. Yeah. I understand yeah. your multi-platform. I understand. Thing. Yeah. No, no, I understand you give out green jackets and you're one <laughs> <laughs> moment, man. I I understand, uh, yeah. but me, you know, all, some of us have to just you know stick to the to the to the National Football League, Jim. You know yeah, what I mean? Uh, hey, I'm living it too. I'm with you. No, I know. And when I'm off season from the NFL, I'm with you. I'm with you 52 <laughs> weeks, you 24 seven. That's it. But um, I had to drop in a free network promo <laughs> there. You, no. you gave me the opening. No, please. I, I think when it all shakes out, it's a dangerous thing for me to be doing, making predictions about you know. <laughs> teams that are going to win because I see those teams. And I walk in on a, a Friday to a facility, and I get a, a John Harbaugh saying, wait a minute, you think Pittsburgh's better than us in our division? Or you think that such and such is a better team? I actually think Baltimore is going to be in that game. And if I had to pick right now, and I'll boil it down to three teams, sure. I'm going, <laughs> which is not really way no, out of the I limb, know. but I'll I'll go Baltimore, New England, and San Diego. No, I, uh, but I, I understand though that that you can't really put the role of analyst and breaking it down because you you know you've got to play you got to you got to call a game, and and I I don't blame you though. I, I you don't want to be walking in and 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 wanting to speak to these coaches and get yourself prepped for a good, for a big game and and hear that I heard you said this, I heard you said that. So uh, I understand. I understand. Well, you know, I, I think if you look at the AFC picture, though, right now, mm -hmm. you we have a long way for this to play out, but you can start lining up the four divisions yep. and saying, okay, what's it down to? We've, we've already got a big process of elimination. You know, the AFC East, I haven't ruled out the Jets because they won this week. New England, mm -hmm. you know, Buffalo and the Jets on the outside. In the north, I still think it's Baltimore. Mm -hmm. I was there when Baltimore pounded Pittsburgh week, week one. Now they got the rematch game coming up. Right. You know, at Pittsburgh. I like Baltimore with Pittsburgh as a wild card. I like Houston to finally get in. It's going to be Houston or Tennessee out of the AFC South. You know, they're, they're going to be playing this week, in fact. And then out west, you know, you got San Diego or Oakland. And if I'm forgetting someone, I, I'd no, be surprised. No, I don't think you are. Uh, I think it, it, the, the, the wild card could come down. That's why I think the Raiders are in such a good spot because they've already beaten Houston right. and the Jets. So if they are in that situation in December, that they're, they, they, uh, if they're not leading their division, that, that's very helpful. And if the Texans don't make the playoffs this year, Jim, with Peyton Manning gone for obviously what it looks like the entire year, I, I don't know when they're going to win it. I, I, you know what I mean? Like this is as wide open as that division's going to get in their mind, and they're, they're only 3-3 three and three right now. Well, it's a two-team race. I mean, Jacksonville showed some signs in the second half against Pittsburgh, but mm -hmm. they've turned a team over to a rookie quarterback this year, and, you know, he's going to grow through this process, but they're not going to win that division. And right. Obviously, Indianapolis is not. So Hasselbeck's brought a lot to uh, Tennessee, and they've not even really been able to revive the Chris Johnson part of that equation. But, you know, Houston, is go it, it, they're, they're still trying to figure out a way now without Mario Williams. And, you know, when are they going to get Andre Johnson back? And they had to go early without uh, Arian Foster. But I still think Houston, in the end, is going to be the team. I really do out of that division. Well, Jim, uh, in, the, in the time I have remaining with you, in a couple minutes I have left, uh, I'd, I'd love for you to just get your perspective on on what you're able to do as a professional. You know, I mean, you're you're there, you call Super Bowls, and I, I, I was being sort of half facetious before. I mean, you do give out. You're there when the green jacket's given out. You sit in Butler Cabin. You're there uh, right there at half court for March Madness. 
uh, and and I just I just uh, I'd love to see if you could put in perspective the different arenas, literally, and the emotions. Because there's nothing to me when I'm at an NFL game and it's kickoff. You just you literally do feel the heartbeat in the stadium, you know. And and golf is such a different uh, mm-hmm. setting, different and vibe, different yeah. vibe, right? I'd love for you to see if you could put any and all of that in perspective, if that's at all possible. Well, the most excitement I have is an NFL Sunday, and watching a stadium come to life. You talked about that heartbeat and just being on site and feeling it build. Well, for me. When I have a 4:15 doubleheader game, I get to the stadium no less than five hours earlier before kickoff. And, and, and for a 1 o'clock game, it's 9 o'clock at the latest. And I get there early enough, there's no one in the stadium. You can look out and you see this whole thing about to build and come to life, 75, 85,000 strong. And just the intensity and the one-play-at-a-time mentality that we feel as broadcasters, mm-hmm. trying to make the most out of every one of those windows, it's exhilarating. You know, in golf, we're, we're jumping around to an announcer over at 17 or 16 or 15. Right. But in, in football, you know, you're you're honchoing every single play in and out of every single break. And it's intense. And the energy and the excitement, that whole energy field, I mean, it, it's it's thrilling. And to me, there's nothing quite like it. Yeah. Uh, I love, by the way, giving out the trophy, whether it's the Lamar Hunt trophy right. every year for the AFC Championship game or every third year I get to – present the Lombardi Trophy, and you're standing, uh, you know, on a platform uh-huh. inside an arena with the bounce-back audio, you know, ringing around about a second <laughs> later on site. That's tough. You're hearing it. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here with Mike Tomlin. Tomlin. And it's it's just it's I a know thrill. It. it slurs your speech, doesn't it? It makes you slur. It makes you – honestly, whenever I've done that, it makes it sound yeah. – <laughs> I'm wondering if – I'm hoping. I'm sort of putting myself out there on a yeah, limb yeah. here. But it sound, I, I feel like I've had about 10 drinks. Not that I always do that, but it, it – I've it's heard you very, like that. <laughs> I've heard it's very similar. Yes, very, very close. Yes, you did. Yes, <laughs> no, sure. No, but... I know the feeling. I know the feeling. And, yes, there is that immediate, like, uh, wait a minute. Right. Are the words coming out cleanly here? Uh, it's, oh, oh it... you're even hearing my oohs and ahs. And, yeah, it's kind of fun. It is. Before I let you go, let's bring this full circle and talk a little bit about the Nance National Alzheimer Center that uh, you uh, helped found and um, and are, you know, in, in conjunction with the Methodist Hospital in Houston. I'd love for you well, to talk about that. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, that is a big-time passion in my life. I mentioned my father, as you said, full circle. My father passed away in 2008, and I authored a book, co-authored a book about my dad called Always By My Side, which had such a following and a reaction I never could have imagined. I wrote the book because I wanted to be cathartic. I wanted to put down on paper these stories about my dad and... You know, he struggled for 13 years before ultimately he he lost the battle to Alzheimer's. And this the reaction that we got at New York Times bestseller and various other things. The book goes with me everywhere. I come out of a booth. There are people there with the book every single week. And I knew that that whole Alzheimer's world needed a voice for some reason. But a lot of people who have been reticent about saying, you know, what, I want to take on that challenge. Uh, Maria Shriver's done a great job. I think a lot of people almost like felt there was such a stigma about it. They didn't want to talk about it. Well, I want to talk about my dad. I want to do whatever I could to make a difference. That's what my father would want me to do. So this was a couple of years in the works after the book came out. I knew there had to be more. So January the 19th, this year, we opened the Nance National Research and Alzheimer's Center in Houston. And it has just been an incredible part of my life. And everywhere I go, I'm talking about it, raising funds, 
people can go to nancefriends.org and they can find out what we're doing. And people are writing about it, talking about it. In the New York Times, people are doing profiles about it. This past week, when the owners were in Houston, the NFL owners met there to award, among other things, the Super Bowl in 2015 to Arizona. Uh, Dr. Stanley Appel, uh, who is uh, the chairman of the, uh, the neurology there at Methodist mm -hmm. Hospital, he made a presentation to the NFL owners about what we're doing with Alzheimer's. And specifically, too, we've been talking about concussions, uh, concussions and, you know, later life dementia off of head injuries. And we're on top of it. And we're committed. That's this is a lifetime commitment for me for my time, financially, everything, to go in there and try to crack the code in my lifetime to know that when my last day is here, I did something to try to help reverse the trend that my father had to live through and millions of other people have as well. It is so important to me, and I'm really happy that the NFL is starting to get its hands around this, and we want to be more of a part of that too with the league. We want to do more of the studies, more of the research, and uh, it's just a uh, it's an exciting time because I do feel like we're getting close. And then you take the field of neurology, Rich, mm -hmm. and whether it's Parkinson's or MS or Huntington's disease, uh, it's, it's, these are so many of them. And I didn't mean to leave any of them out. They're so related. Mm -hmm. And we have this Neurological Institute at Houston that has all the cutting-edge technology and bioimaging and everything. And I, I, after we make the progress on Alzheimer's, I want to go after all these other ones, too, because I believe we can untangle that web and we can ultimately one day make a difference. And I look forward to it. And I look forward to that day. Uh, www.nancefriends.org is a place for you to learn more about the Nance National Alzheimer's Center and also uh, the Methodist Hospital in Houston. All one other thing on Please that. Please go for it. Yeah, well, it's just my dad was a football player, you see, and I didn't know it at the time when... He first suffered a stroke. He was in my tower at a golf event back in 1995, and he collapsed. I thought it was heat stroke, but it actually turned out to be a little mini stroke, and it was the mark the onset of Alzheimer's. I didn't know it at the time, this tie between head injuries and later life dementia. My father used to always talk about this one play. He played at Guilford College mm -hmm. in North Carolina. His first game ever was the game in which Paul Bear Bryant was making his debut as a head coach no on the opposite sideline. Win number one for the Bear. He was head coach at Maryland, and it was 1945. And my father was a two-way starter as a freshman, as a 16-year-old freshman. Anyway, my father suffered a head injury when he was in college, back in the leather helmet days. Coming in, trying to block a punt, he got kicked in the side of the head, burst an eardrum. So he was deaf in one ear, and he had issues. He always talked about his ringing sensation he had in his head. And he had two or three surgeries on uh, his, uh, uh, his uh, eardrum and trying to stop uh, you know, part of the process and losing his hearing and all. And I'm, now that I know what's happened in the last 10 years, what we've learned, there's no doubt in my mind. My father's football life contributed to his later life dementia. So this is why this NFL, the football, and it's not just football, by the way. It's soccer. It's hockey. It's field hockey. It's everywhere. You know, we're there to study this, and I do feel such a tie to my dad in this sport and the study of what we're going to do with this concussion uh, uh, business around the league. Well, I do feel duty-bound to ask you then before you go what you think of the fine system that the league has set up and the, and the new rules that so many people are, 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 are dead set against because they feel it's turning back uh, what, what the game's about. You know, the game is about a lot of things. It's not just about mauling an opponent. I realize out-physicaling an opponent is a big part of it. What I don't understand is that what Commissioner Goodell is doing is he's trying to save your life. 
Mm -hmm. You may have a problem with it right now, 20 years from now when you're sitting on a couch and you're thinking back about how many like blows to the head did I take? You know, maybe did I incur fewer hits and violent collisions because the commissioner was out there being the sheriff and policing this. I salute uh, Com Commissioner Goodell. The players can complain about it all they want, but ultimately what they don't get, and they better realize it, is, you know, he's trying to make sure that someone stands up and represents their future. Hmm. Jim, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Um, and uh, I, I look forward to the next chat that I have with you. And uh, the next time it happens, I want to hear about all those close games you're calling on CBS <laughs> starting with this Sunday. If I, if, I get, if I get two in a row, can I come back on the podcast? Oh, please, it's the podcast bump. That's what we call it, Jim. Uh, it sort of broke up uh, with Cooley this week. He was on last week. He broke his finger. So we need to build the momentum again. Brady, oh, when Brady came okay. on, uh, Brady came on, uh, he, he's twice. Um, he's uh, beaten the Jets by 42 the subsequent week. And then uh, this week, uh, when he was on, he set all those Monday Night Football records. So, uh, again, if you want... I should have had a jet or a charger on this week, Jim. It would have it would have boosted your so game. So something good's coming. Something good is oh, on yeah. the way. Oh yes, that's what okay. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying right. to you. That's all I'm, I'm saying. I'm in. Sure. Okay, I'm good. in, my man. Good. Thanks, Jim. I'm in. Jim, Thanks, you're, you're, you're the best. I appreciate uh, Thanks, the time. Bob. Great and to be with you. I guess uh, do I say goodbye, friend? Is that how I? Is that how? I, I haven't I... ever gone there yet. Okay, yeah, but if you want to, that's no, a whole no. new thing. I'll give it to you. No, no, it's no, all no, yours. No, no, no. It's fine. Thanks. It sounds too final. It does. I like leaving it open. Okay. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Rich. <laughs> we'll leave it See open. I like it. <laughs> Jim Nance of CBS Sports joining the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Bud Light. Welcoming back to the Rich Eisen podcast. Uh, one of my favorite guests. I appear on his radio show that appears coast to coast. Thanks to the good people of Westwood One. I appear on his show every Friday. Uh, he is none other than Dennis Miller. How are you, Dennis? Dr. Eisen, always a good chat with you, man. You've got an eclectic mind. I always dig uh, pairing and trusting with you. So what's what's happening in the league? Can you believe this snafu about the uh, – isn't this good for football, for God's sake? The handshake? The, the handshake, yeah. I, it, I, I think it's phenomenal. I did a radio interview yesterday, and somebody says to me – you know, when are we going to stop talking about this handshake thing? It's and I'm like, fun. I'm like, never. As far as I'm concerned, never. It's yeah, it's just fun. And listen, Harbaugh was, uh, listen, I don't hate Jim Harbaugh, but he was being a bit of a, a jerk there. And Schwartzy was going to light him up. <laughs> but uh, I dug the whole thing, and I guarantee you the players are howling about it. This league's gotten so antiseptic, for God's sakes. It's like the Potsdam Conference. I dug this action, man. And, you know, I can tell the league digs it subtly, too. The league's got some headaches about becoming too politically correct. The fact that they didn't drop fines on these guys tells you that Goodell said, listen, no harm, no foul. We need to put a little, uh, you know, uh, uh, we, we need our tales, too. You hear these stories about Johnny Blood McNally, and for God's sakes, then you hear our stories, Ed Arkley went under the tent for four days, <laughs> did 15 reps with John Rowley, came out with an offside encroachment call. What the hell is that? Yeah, I, I don't think Facendo could even do justice to <laughs> Ed Arkley went under under the hood to see if there was an empty hand. When... The autumn wind is caused by global warming. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100%. Although uh, Peter King, the erstwhile Peter King, tweeted out that, uh, if, if, that, if, that if, if the league is fining players for wearing their socks too high and not having the proper uniform code, then, then, then uh, a lack of decorum on the part of coaches... Uh, that turned into a Springer show 
uh, should be fine. Uh, That's what he's Pete, saying. Listen, I dig Pete King. He's obviously the guy now on the blog, but he's a little PC for my taste. You know, the day we've got the great number 18 from the San Francisco 49ers, Gene Washington, out there with a fucking protractor measuring <laughs> sock height before a game is the day this league's lost its mind. <laughs> That's why I love having you on, too. There's very few protractors have been dropped in the I history mean, of my Jesus podcast, by God, the way. The stuff they worry about. Then for, then for a week, I, you know, it's auditions for showgirls with the pink. I get it. I like the one week where it's all pink. It's mm-hmm. a nice thing. Everybody's been touched by breast cancer. It's beautiful. But, you know, everybody's scared witless in the league office to say, can we keep it the one week? So, hence, four years later, I got Lacajo San Antonio Holmes, for God's sakes. You know, it's, it's just. The, the league's got a little too touchy feeling. Well, I know you've mentioned this to me on, on the radio show uh, when I appear again, uh, the Dennis Miller radio show nationally on Westwood One, um, that you 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 think the league has taken it too far in finding players in general. Well, listen, Rich, I, I love the launch rule. I agree completely. The launch thing was out of hand. Uh, you know, that leaving your feet just to tee off on somebody across the middle. Listen, I, I remember... Uh, you know, uh, Jack Tatum uh, and the cat in New England, Daryl Stingley, nobody. It's a dangerous game, though. When you start getting to the point that helmet on helmet is not even the crown of the helmet anymore, but the Riddell label on the front of the helmet, you're, you're getting there some dangerous cusp line. People love to wait for the Circus Maximus on Sunday to ex- escape the mundanity and the protracted rules and the bureaucracy of the offices they work in and the government they live under. When they get to Saturday, they want it to be as close to gladiatorial as they can without now feeding Christians to the lions in front of people in an arena. If you get too far with that, if I have to see a guy who, like, uh, of course it was a catch. It was a catch when... Calvin Johnson did it last year. It was a catch when this kid did it this year. What, what do you got? You got to catch the ball, take three steps, go home, put it in a plexiglass <laughs> case, and mark it as a touchdown catch before it's declared well, a catch. Of course it's a catch. And, and I'm glad they got it right this time. Yeah, uh, well, Mike Carey's one of the right best refs. They realized they screwed the pooch last year. Well, and, and But I think they just added an, a, a quality sense of common sense, uh, and they got the Nate Burleson rule right, uh, uh, catch right this week. For sure, but I do believe that it, that replay has a has a has a role in the parsing out of 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 uh, yeah, I guess penalties like that because cat sitting in the center and rollerball who fires the ball off and makes the call on these things. I like the way the college game does it. If a call is wrong, why do I have to wait for somebody to throw a red flag? It's crazy. Well, they, they, they want the league wants the 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 refs on the field to be the ones to see it. As you know, in college, yeah. the refs just come over and they listen on a headset well, and it's somebody if upstairs. You think about it. When all the technology has moved into a... Look what the NHL does, for God's sakes. They've got some bunker that Cheney's in back in Eau Claire, a sack base at Mont Baldy. They watch every goal that's scored and they make the call instantaneously. This whole thing about leaving it down on the field with the moron who couldn't get the coin toss right in Thanksgiving a few years ago. Right. Yeah, I want to shoot everything through him because he appears to be a wizard. Let the guy up in the booth be in his headphones. You got that wrong. Change it. When we replay it, they'll all be happy about it. Move it along. Right. There's seven-minute things where they shut down over ball placement. You're thinking, God, do they not realize at the end of the day, this is the violent ice capades. People aren't here to see it perfect. People are here to get their yaws out. <laughs>
<laughs> that that is pretty much a simple uh, explanation. Uh, and you know, if you think about it too, Dennis, that maybe they could just do it on an iPad at this point in time. Of course they could. Listen, you know? if I want to watch the Zabruder film, I'll go exhume Earl <laughs> Warren. I'm trying to watch a f-ing football game. <laughs> So, what do you think of your Steelers? What do you think of the Steelers right now? Four and two. Uh, I think Tomlin, next to Belichick, is the best coach on the planet, and I'm there with him. And I, I just read an interesting piece from that Barnwell guy who writes a nice piece for Grantland, talking about the drop off mm-hmm. in turnovers. But he also talks about how they're fourth in points allowed, and maybe there's some. Listen, as uh, Maddox stops throwing the, the the heater and paints the black later in his career, maybe the Steelers are finding another way to play D. All I know is this. You don't, you don't have to look any further than uh, Bob Sanders to know the Palomalo can't go in completely psycho like that anymore. You just start getting knocked out easier. So I think they're shifting their game around. They're not getting the turnovers, but Roethlisberger, as as wanting as I found him in his earlier life, and maybe he's had an epiphany off the field, he is an absolute beast on the field. He is indomitable. He doesn't go down until he's done. He has radar in the back of his head, knowing when they're coming around to strip him. And as long as they have him, and as long as they have LeBeau, and as long as they have Palomalu, Harrison, and this, uh, you know, uh, some uh, other Wood. stud linebackers, yeah, Woodley. and the best coach in the business outside of Belichick, I say they make it deep into the playoffs. So you think that they they are uh, they're going to run down the Ravens? Do you think? Because the Ravens do appear to be a better a better team right now, and no, not just because of that be first week. I mean, that's going to make the Sharks and the Jets look like the barn raisin and seven brides for seven <laughs> brothers because those are two bad ass football teams. Right. And I saw a. Do- I don't even know his name. Is it Nada? Haloti yeah. Nada, yeah. Uh-huh. I saw that cat in a meaningless game a few weeks ago at night. I don't even know why he was still in there with four minutes to go. Comes, bounces off the center, and just starts chugging it down the line. Comes up behind and just wastes somebody. And who's standing there except the two old men, Lewis and Ed Reed. And when you got your three oldest guys and your one fattest guy, and they're still <laughs> busting their ass with four yeah, minutes left, no the kids are embarrassed. Of course they're going to th- they're gonna hustle. So yeah, I dig that team too. It's just I grew up in the Berg. What are you going to do? You know, no, the Berg's in my blood, but would I be surprised if the Ravens... There are times that I look at Joey Flacco and I see Pelosi eyes, so I don't quite know. I'm <laughs> Pelosi not, you know, eyes! Not like, Bachman eyes, Pelosi eyes you see there? Yeah, just a little bit where I see that look like uh, it's a rainy day at Westworld and the old Brenner <laughs> bot has gone off. <laughs> What do you make of the Carson Palmer trade? I, I didn't oh, I think Mike it. Brown could ever be moved, but it's the it's the the quintessential uh, offer you can't refuse. Well, listen, my Paul Brown fedora off to Mike Brown for realizing yes. that at some point. This is what the people of Cincinnati are owed. For Christ's sake, for the last 10 years, I'll ask Cincinnati team, what do you think of your Bengals? I like my skyline five ways. You know, they're so afraid to talk about their team because it sucks. All they do is talk chili. For, for once, Mike Brown got it right. Carson Palmer, since that Samoan rolled up on him years ago, <laughs> has been a tragic figure to me. He was going to be the best quarterback in the league for a few moments there. It went away. The guy has been a warrior. All 
he wants is out. He wants out. He do to be out. And I can't believe, give Brownie this. And I never thought I'd say the phrase, good work, Brownie, after the uh, Katrina. <laughs> yes, right. But uh, to get a first and a contingent first for Carson at this point, beautiful play, beautiful for the Raiders, happy for Carson. Mike Brown, I've detested you up to this point about your obstinacy, but my hat's off. Good for you. Yeah, a little bit of a maturity there. Yeah, heck of a job, Brownie, right? Heck of a job, Brownie. <laughs> and, 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 and so you think, Car- I mean, it's so difficult for somebody to just come off the couch and, and play in the league. Uh, he does know Hugh Jackson's system because they did spend time in Cincinnati. He can sort of just step in there. Do you think the Raiders are a formidable yeah, I do. opponent? Yeah, I do. Uh, you know what? I think it's one of those things when you prune the bonsai. When you get 11 kids on defense who all they read about is uh, the, the the corner gets traded to, or goes to Philly. Yeah, Namdi. Uh, there's like, Rich, you've been in those long. You know, I did it for two years. I got up close against those guys. I thought, what makes this guy not that guy? And guess what? At some point, it's a chance. There's a bunch of guys who want to be the next Nomdi on that. And they've drafted. Look, I saw Darius Haywood Bay had a game the other day, and I was thinking, I don't know if speed kills, but it does intimidate. And I do know that this Hugh Jackson guy seems like a hell of a coach. And, uh, yeah, I think the Raiders, I think Carson, forget that come off the couch thing. I think all that crap's overrated. They'd be better off not having a preseason, have some inter-squad scrimmages, maybe one preseason game to get their hut-hut-huts right, and quit beating people up in the offseason. Do I need to see guys go down in offseason games? It's crazy. It's a violent sport. It's time for them to pair that preseason back. So do I think Carson can come in this week and uh, hit it? Yeah, if he's playing Indy, I don't know who they're playing. They're playing, <laughs> they're playing Kansas City. The... Well, yeah, he can probably come in there. <laughs> well, he's gonna. I mean, I think they might start Bowler this week. You never know, but it's going to be Carson moving forward, and I feel that I feel for Campbell, uh, Matt. I feel for Jason. I feel, uh, I, if they start Bowler, yeah. you better get to the graveside of Al, because it's going to be like Michael Myers. He's coming back it's up coming out of the grave of the hockey match. Because what are you kidding me? Right, starting bowler, get out of here! I feel for Jason Campbell too, because here yeah, he is. He, I mean, it's his team, right? I mean, he finally here's a guy who has changed, had offensive coordinators and coaches yeah. changed on him every year, dating back, by the way, to high school, and he finally gets his shot here. And he looked good, and he breaks his clavicle in the second quarter, and two days later, Carson Palmer's there for two firsts, two. I mean, so it gives you an idea of where they they saw everything in the grand scheme of things moving forward, not just trying to get things done for this year. You know, the arena, the crucible, patently cruel throughout history because that's where the greatness is to be seized. You're not Maximus unless you can take a broadsword upside the head. That's what happened to Campbell here. You get into that arena and there's great greatness. There's immortality to be had there. You can be Bambi Allworth. They talk about you for the rest of the time. You can also get your knee blown out. That's the vigorish. That's the juice. That's what I hope Goodell doesn't forget about the league. I'm not going over there each week to watch GE College Bowl with Alan Ludden. I'm talking about big humans careening at high rates of speed and going for immortality. That's what that league's about. The launch rule, like I said, makes sense. The helmets are too hard. Other than that, it's about beating guys. It's about Rocky Marciano hitting you in the forearms till round 11 where you just come out and say, you might as well hit me in the head now because I can't raise my arms anymore. Do you have a good Al Davis story for me from your uh, Monday night uh, days? You know what? It's uh, it, I had a little dust up with 
Al. But let me say this about Al. Yeah, you had a tusk. Uh, I, 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 that story, I, I don't, I, I'd rather not tell that because the guy's just dead and he was a little obstinate. Here's the thing about Al Davis. I know he's a genius at one point, but uh, the... Uh, you know, Marcus is a, a somewhat of a friend of mine, and I remember Marcus. I'm not making it any bigger or more than it is, but I know Marcus pretty well. To me, he's the greatest of the Raiders. I don't know, maybe I'm forgetting somebody, but certainly Marcus Allen on the Mount Rushmore of the Raiders. I don't get how Al Davis turns on Marcus Allen. That that boggles my mind. I mean, you remember who was inside the three? Who was better in the history of football? Right. Maybe Jimmy Brown, right? Mm-hmm. But Marcus was an absolute beast. And that's the one thing about Al. I would say on the way out the door, don't know how you don't get along with uh, with uh, you know Marcus Allen. But you had a dust up with with Al. You, you uh, like I said, the guy's just deceased. I'll tell you about it someday on a future podcast. Okay, but let him rest in peace now. But uh, he, he, we just had a little locking of the horns. <laughs> I'll tell you about it. But I, okay. I'll tell you my part of it until the guy's in the soil. You don't mess with the Raiders with him. I mean, we we had we had a top twenty list, uh, one of the first lists we ever put together for the network. Top twenty teams of all time, and he thought the eighty three Raider team was way too low. And way, he called about it. And no, he didn't call. He sent out a press release <laughs> blasting the network, of which he owns one thirty second. Right, oh, put man. the network on full blast, and and it you know out, out the 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 Raider. Um, the Raider Nation was besmirched in his mind. And then I saw him uh, weeks, months later at an owner's meeting, and he came up to me. He said, F*** you. Oh, pretty much. I mean, like, <laughs> I, and I'm, I I was, you know, obviously in awe of meeting this man. I mean, you know, I, I heard, you know, uh, I'd heard so much about him, and I'd never really met him before. And certainly he never addressed me. Uh, and I found myself in the middle. I thought of, of like the eight-year-old on the couch, you know, back in Staten Island. If I was ever face to face with Al Davis yeah, on the business tough. end, on the business end, he was ticked off. And like, I, I'm like, Mr. Davis, I, 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 I didn't have anything to do with this. Well, you never you get know? a guy like that, Mr. Davis. You got to go out or yeah. he owns you, man. They, they hear Mr. I hear Davis. That's, right. what, that's chum in the water. That's He'll chum just in the water. on you. <laughs> I got to get a go. bigger hey, boat. Al. Hey, Al. I know. I got to get a bigger boat. Listen, all I know is uh, I know a guy's flipped when he starts to dress like his character's dating Barbara Bain in Space 1999. <laughs> I remember, you know, all of a sudden Al started showing up in Kevlar jackets. It was like Tony Roberts and Eddie Hall. Oh, Max, are we going to drive through plutonium it's right, now? It's right. <laughs> Man, uh, anything else? Anything else? That, I'm good, that, man. You want to stay on a little bit? I dig talking to you. Or no, no, sure, no, no, no. We don't have to wrap at all. I just no, wanted no, to make no, sure that if you had anything on your chest, no, 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 no. If there's anything else, football wise, that you've been well, sitting there and seeing, and you want to, you want to have the floor. I'm, I'm, I'm going macro here with you. Well, just saying. I would just say this: when, when uh, Jimmy Harbaugh pulls up his shirt, and he reminds me of the Bill Murray presentation of Out of Shape Hercules <laughs> with the gut. Yes. It's one of my favorite. I thought the hardboard boys were ripped for God's sakes. What was that look about? He looked well, like Ray Burns, season said, three of Iron 
he actually says, he actually said that that's a specific thing that the team uh when they're done with business just like a blue collar man comes home from work yeah he untucks his shirt when the business is done so wow. that's why I mean that's why he's he's showing his gut on the way to the coach who he basically treated like a speed bump in the middle of his celebration you know and then all holy heck broke loose coach well, has gone all I wild know is this if Aaron Rodgers is putting on the belt Jimmy's got to start doing something where he feigns a corset because that was <laughs> oh, no. that was rough for God's well, sake. That, that, that navel was an inkwell at that point. Roger, <laughs> Rogers is out of his skull now. It's the best I've seen. Listen, I don't know what Brett's doing. And, uh, you know, to the extent that when I met Brett a couple of times during those years, I mm-hmm. thought he was a mensch. He was Brett Favre, for God's sakes. But uh, that's a lose-lose. Nobody handles their business better than Aaron Rodgers. Nobody's played quarterback like that in a long, long time, since Joe Montana probably. And uh, I don't know what the, what Brett's doing, but he had to shut up because he's looking bad going after A-Rod. Yeah, well, you know, it's just any time – I mean, from now on, he's – he should, when he hears Aaron Rodgers and asked about him, it's like, he, you know, the kid was great. I, I could see it then. Um, obviously, you know, I wasn't done playing there. But now what he's seeing, what, what he's doing, I know it makes Packer fans happy. I hope he keeps women, winning, and I'll see him in the Ring of Honor or in the Ring of Honor one day. Exactly, I mean, Mondo. If you want to get it. inside Brett's Favre, uh, Favre, Favre's head next time you see him, say, well, we had to move Bart Starr down to the three slot as greatest Packer quarterback ever right. and make him wonder who's one and two, because I'm telling you what, I know you got to do it over a period of time, but if Aaron Rodgers continues to play like that, as unbelievable yes. as it sounds, uh, he will be the, you know, uh, not as unbelievable. I like the guy, but I'm just saying, who would have ever thought Brett Favre would be moved on or Bart Starr moved on? But you've never seen it like this, no. have you? no. It's unbelievable. I mean, and, and, and he he his throws. Uh, I mean, it's like made for NFL films. Like he cocks his arm, and then you hear the the orchestra hit its high note, and the, you know timpani, and he uncorks a throw, and seventy yards later, the game is turned. Yeah, and the demeanor's beautiful. He looks like a stone killer. Give me your dark horse, Richie, and wrapping up here. Who do you? Who? I mean, we obviously know the front runners right now. Who do you see coming off the uh, uh, off the rail? I, I I think off the rail. I don't know why, um, but I'm I'm still not I'm still not done with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I'm not done with them. I, I don't know. I mean, they could come out of this bye week, catch fire, and and play as high a level as anybody in the sport. Well, it, I might say the Eagles, but listen, Mike Vick's always like a millisecond away from getting on the clock time. Could be because that's true. Quite frankly, he's, no he's more agile than the rest of the people on the planet, which puts him in harm's way. If I had to watch somebody, and yeah. I love what the because listen, North Turner always comes out of the box slow, like you know, Seabiscuit manacles for God's <laughs> sakes. But the Philip Rivers is another beast, another mm-hmm. monster, another. Another dart thrower, and I'm telling you what, if they're going to go, what are they, 4-1 out of the box? They are. Uh, I'd keep, I'm not saying they're winning it because I'm going with Green Bay, and then I'm going with New England, and then I'll put the Steelers in there because they're my boys. I'll go Ravens, but if I had to finish that 5 odd, I'd keep an eye, eye on the bolts because uh, Phillip Rivers, is uh, he's a man. Yeah, I had them I had them in the Packers in the Super Bowl this year, but that Week 2 loss in New England, it just looked like same old, same old to me. 
Um, and, uh, and I know Gates is, is, is coming off of the bye and he's supposedly feeling better, but, uh, yeah, but playing I just Brady don't know. Foxborough is like playing Hal 9000 in chess. I know, but they may have to go, they thing. may, they may have to go there in January to move forward. That's well, what I'm that's saying. That's the case that I take back every that's day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but if they can somehow and get you're the allowed. game on that. And you're, you're, you have every right to do that. Um, right, Ricardo, listen, it's a gas talking to you, man. And, and by the way, you know, you know, I think of you as the guy now for years, I used to go to Zip Zimmerman for my info. Zim, uh, healing up, but uh, you're the man now, and I'm glad it's in such good hands. Thanks, Dennis. Uh, and you're going to be at the State Theater in Eastern PA, the uh, the home of Larry Holmes, the Eastern Assassin, on I October no 28th and 29th. Jesus, last week I was in Jimmy Ellis's rec room, yeah, and you're going... uh, before that, Thad Spencer, Leotis Martin, every from, everybody from that B- WBC elimination tournament years yeah, ago. Yes, the, the, the Larry Holmes Commodore Inn, one of the more... Um, <laughs> He's the Eastern Assassin, as you will be in the State Theater on the 28th and 29th. Uh, you'll be in Uncasville, Connecticut, uh, at the Mohegan Sun. With with Bill O'Reilly? Are you appearing with Bill O'Reilly? Yeah, we do. Uh, I do a half hour. Billy does a half hour. Then we do a half hour Q&A together. Oh. Then at the end, some interpretive mime, little kabuki theater. Come <laughs> see. Enjoy. All right, Dennis. Thanks for coming on. I look forward to the next time, and I'll speak with you on your show later on in the week. Later, Ricardo. All right. That's the one and only Dennis Miller on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Bud Light. Wow. That was great. Uh, by the way, you have, Chris Brockman, no idea who Alan Ludden is, right? No you throw out an Alan Ludden reference. He's, a, he's, an old, he's an old um, um, game show host. Password. He did okay. password. Okay. I think he also made, he made a different reference there. I have to say a uh, quote quote of the the day from him is yeah. you're not Maximus unless you can take a sword upside the head. And the way he said it, and that just rolled off his yeah. referencing what Andy Dalton referencing right, Andy, right. Dalton. Andy Dalton. I personally like the uh, beating Brady at Foxborough is like playing chess against Hal Nine Thousand. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I love know. having him on. He's, he goes 100 miles per hour, and he's right. I know. I liked his Monday Night Football years. I may be in the minority, but I enjoyed them. Well, I mean, he he was. Uh, I think a lot of people just expected him to blast away with no regard for the actual nuance of the game, or who uh, was playing, or or having no relationships with anybody on the field. And he would just blast away, and for the sake of blasting away, and that's not him. Right. I mean, he he actually I. I, I know how he feels because coming on the network eight years ago, I, I really wasn't part of the NFL family. I mean, I'd covered it at ESPN, but I never was immersed in it, mm-hmm. meeting owners and coaches and um, front office people and uh, scouts and staff members. And when you meet that and you get involved, it's intoxicating, you know, meeting that world and getting immersed in that world. And, uh, you know, so I guess when Dennis didn't blast away at full speed to everybody, it, it was not what they expected. At least that's my take, you know. And then, I, and then, many times he had people diving for the thesaurus and the dictionary right. and Wikipedia. Right? But I love that. I love that. Uh, he, I can't I have him to, on I, enough on this show, as far as I'm agreed. concerned. Yeah, the contrast between him and Nance, but Nance was so. But good. that's what I love about this podcast right. is we throw people on together like and that. And Nance is a pro's pro. Do we have Snooky booked? We do have the Snookster booked. Um, it's coming when? in November. In November. In November. Snooky is say. coming on this podcast. It may be the end of my career at From NFL. From the Jersey? Why would it be the end of your career? Allowing this to You're putting Snooky next did to me, watch, which is did fantastic. Did you watch last, last week's Jersey no, Shore? No, I didn't. But I, I understand. <laughs> I, for, I, I know what goes on. I mean, I lived it. I'm from Staten Island, New York, yeah. man. I, I lived the Jersey Shore. Oh, 
So Snooki, Snooki's coming on. Snooki will be on. Yep, uh, it's going to be in November. Maybe who do we who do we book with Snooki? November. Just to just to who do we book oh, with Snooki? Oh, to balance her out. Yeah, Trent Green. Do we get Trent? President let's get, Trent let's Green get Kurt in here. Somebody. Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner. Yeah. That could be. Rough. Now we're booking. That's what I love about this. Um, we also have some house cleaning. What do we to, have to take care of? What do we have? Um, we had Maurice Jones Drew on a few weeks ago, a little bit before Brockman was on, and yeah. uh, you, you, he's he does pretty much the end zone celebrations right. you request. That's right, and because he has uh, dissed us before, yes, on ESPN when the touchdown celebration dance that he did at our request. And it was his idea to do it in the Pro Bowl. It was the Mooch crying for Favre dance where he <laughs> went up to the uh, Jacksonville uh, mascot. Jackson, Jackson DeVille. DeVille came up and, and, and consoled him. And he cried in the arms of Jackson DeVille. Um, that was uh, something that he did on ESPN. And Susie Culver asked him about it. And he didn't say, well, Rich Eisen of NFL Network, I promised him or I promised Mariucci. He just He just – shined it off and to make up for it he's going to do the rich eyes and podcast dance on monday night football he promised that's he, he would didn't have to i told him leave out the cbs regionals and the fox regionals and even nbc that's fine it's got to be on monday night football I, I may not know how to pronounce david mamet but we do have that mm. clip right here oh, okay let's, see, let's see okay let's see. Does, does jacksonville have a monday night game two two of them Oh, oh, Maurice Jones-Drew. It has to come out of those Maurice games. Maurice Jones-Drew. Oh, man. Here we go. On an ESPN Monday night football game. This cannot be de- detrimental to you or the team. This is this. I, okay. No one can be hurt well, in the making of this podcast. How about, this? How about podcast this? Since dance. we're in a booth, yes. I do the mime. Like, I love it. You're in a booth, and then you put on headsets. Yeah, then I'll put on the headsets, and then I'll be like. That's great. So you'll, because we're in a small booth right, right. now. You mime like you're in a booth, then put on headsets, and then hold up a microphone and start gabbing into right. it. Right. And then later on, when you're sitting there with Stu Scott post game or whatever, uh, the Rich Eisen podcast. It's the Rich Eisen podcast. There you go. That is fantastic. I like that. Must be an ESPN Monday, Monday night, night football. It has game. to be Monday night because then, then then all family business between you and I are settled. So again, uh, this coming Monday night is Jacksonville home. For the Baltimore Ravens. Now it's tough to score on that defense. Right. I would appreciate it. He's a member of my fantasy team. Okay. Very good. So this would be what we call a win-win. Win-win. And if he should score against the Baltimore Ravens, and I'll text him this week just as a friendly reminder, <laughs> and we'll put let's put this on the TV version of the podcast. Absolutely. Too. So um, it'll be out there, and if he scores, the helmet goes on, and he does the Rich Eisen podcast. And if he scores and they win, you know, Stu Scott will have him on the set. With uh, with Trent Dilfer, Steve Young. If he doesn't drop my name in that form, I'll be I'll be our first banished guest. Of the no, I, it, it, that's not that's not. You uh, could text Stu to remind him. Yeah, but I don't question. think that's I don't think that's uh, worthy of excommunication. He's in the penalty box. He'll there be in the go. penalty box. A timeout. Like A timeout. That. You guys don't have kids, but no kids. timeouts work. They don't want timeouts. Leave a mark. Anything else that we need to housekeep? The Bud Light fan camps? All right, yeah, the Bud Light fan camps for week seven are Orlando, Florida, Chicago, Illinois, Pittsburgh, PA, and El Paso, Texas. There you go. Good ones. Very good. And next week, Coach Calipari of Kentucky basketball. We'll talk ball with him. 
That'll is he a fun. football guy? Um, we'll find out. I think he is. He's an all. He's an all around sports guy. I haven't spoken to him since years ago when he was at U. He was the UMass coach. Ooh. When I was uh, Carmelo Trevieso. Oh God, uh, the Marcus, Marcus Camby. Camby. Come on, yeah, now. the Camby man. Uh, yeah. So there's there's lots to talk. I want you know I'd love his take on the handshake. Yeah. Because yeah. you know college basketball, they they do the cursory handshake too. And he rubs people the wrong way. Well, I'll be, I I can't wait to chat with him. Um, and then more more fun in store. Thank you both, Chris's, to you for your hard work. Thanks to thanks, uh, to, thanks to everybody else here who downloads the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Bud Light. Stay listening, friends.